Welcome to Hack to Start, a podcast focused on interesting people and the innovative ways they achieve success. I'm Franco Variano. And I'm Tyler Copeland. Each week we speak with a new guest about how they created, hacked, and hustled their way to the top and distill their insights and experiences for you. The path to success isn't always linear. Hack, start, and repeat. This episode is brought to you by Breather. Find beautiful, practical spaces that you can reserve on the go. Ghost, a simple, powerful publishing platform that allows you to share your story with the world. And SoundCloud. Hear the world's sounds. You're listening to episode 55 of Hack to Start. This episode features Mustafa Joshen, the founder and CEO of Design Co-Founders. Tyler and I wanted to invite Mustafa onto the show to share his story, insights, and experiences building and growing Design Co-Founders. Mustafa has grown Design Co-Founders from a freelancing business into a fully-fledged design company. He joins us to share how he has built such a rapidly growing company through education, community, and building genuine relationships. This is an amazing episode you won't want to miss, so let's get to it. Hey, Mustafa. Thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. So Frank and I have been wanting to get you on the show for a while now. We think you have an amazing story around growing your design studio to 10 employees, you know, three offices in less than a year. So let's start off by getting to know more about you. Where are you from? What did you study? And how did your passion for entrepreneurship develop? I'm Iraqi by nationality, um, and it's interesting. I was born in Moscow, Russia, and the Soviet Union, uh, where my parents settled to finish their PhDs uh, after leaving Iraq because of the politics. And from there, we moved around to a few different countries like Morocco and UAE, and we settled in Canada when I was five years old. Um, and growing up in in Toronto, uh, with my father being uh, part an, an agricultural scientist and part visual artist. I went to high school in an art school, but that was also very academic, called Cothra Park in Mississauga, Ontario. And from there, uh, I studied art for five years, but I, uh, I left it after high school, and I studied uh, linguistics and languages at York University. Um, and that really, that didn't last so long since I got married when I was 21. So I started going to school part-time, and I eventually uh, stopped going altogether. So I dropped out and started working full-time. Uh, and my passion for entrepreneurship really didn't develop until about nine years later when, uh, when I actually started Design Co-Founders. Um, so there was a really big gap between that. So after attending both York University for a Bachelor's of Arts and Seneca College for Applied Arts, you focused your career around education and helping others. Can you talk to us a bit more about how it impacted the start of your career? Education is really interesting, right? So, I mean, we're always learning, uh, but wherever I was learning, I was always teaching. So even when I when I left university after my second year, I was tutoring at a local tutoring academy. And when I went to Seneca, uh, I was tutoring in their learning center um, for classes beyond what my major was at Seneca. So the passion for education was always there, but that didn't really translate into career proper since I, I did so many different jobs uh, before breaking into the tech work, the tech world rather from uh, technical support and call center work and benefits administration and uh, quality assurance uh, uh, at mutual funds. 
And so landing into landing into the tech space was really interesting because that opened up an opportunity to start uh, to engage in education proper as a as you know a professional professional service. Um, but that really didn't happen at all until we started design co-founders. So after your time as in the call centers and customer support, you transitioned into UX design, working in small to large studios within the Toronto area. What led you down this path and what lessons did you learn while working in this, both the studios and startups? Well, it's really interesting. I mean, how somebody gets their break, right? And so uh, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in multidisciplinary backgrounds. And so it just, you know, the opportunities open up to you and you take advantage of them as you will. And so my opportunity came when I got laid off from my job back in uh, 2008 when I was working in a mutual fund firm and, you know, uh, the stock market went downhill. And my opportunity came in the form of going back to college to study computer systems technology. And I learned a lot about networking and programming languages, etc. And uh, I fast-tracked that program and finished two years in a three-year program in two years. And I got a break into the startup world. A security company hired me to do software development. And so uh, really quickly, I learned that at the age of 28 or 26, rather, 26, 27, uh, I'm surrounded by Waterloo grads and expert software developers. And it's really hard for somebody fresh and need to keep pace. Um, and so I, I still chugged along there. But really, that was this opportunity number two. So if opportunity number one was serendipitously going back to school to learn, opportunity number two came in the form of a company that really invests back in its employees. So they believed in me and they believed in my passion and in my multidisciplinary skill set from everything that I learned in, in a career that I built over six and seven years, right? And so um, opportunity number two is giving me a chance from going from software development to seeing different ways that I could help the company uh, achieve its business goals. And so I got into doing a lot of usability testing and I started doing user research um, while doing software development, just questioning the way the software is built. And naturally what that started doing is unlocking all of those skill sets that I've gained in problem solving and uh, call centers or helping people with their benefits and doing research around there. And my art background came back in as well from art school and learning how to use uh, Adobe tools. And that all started to form together in the design world for the startup. So instead of developing software, I started figuring out how to make the software work, how to design it, as well as bridge the gap for development teams between business requirements and actually actual execution. And so that was opportunity number three, really. It's not only doing software development or starting to do design with a company that believed in me, but having been put through a boot camp of the entire gamut of the software development lifecycle. And so that's a real, really rare skill to find um, because not everybody gets that opportunity to be able to go through those different uh, parts of a startup, right, and contribute to business requirements and product strategy and product design as well as product development. And from there, I was able to hone that skill set and craft it into, you know, doing it really well and helping startups in Toronto uh, achieve their business goals through design. That's awesome. That's a pretty crazy story. And it's amazing kind of looking back uh, to see the perspective you've, you've been able to put into place and, and kind of connect the dots. So, you know, speaking about helping, you know, the founders and startups in Toronto, um, you're now the founder and CEO of Design Co-Founders. So for those who might not know, you know, what is Design Co-Founders? And although you touched on it a little bit, what really motivated you to start that? 
That's a good question. The The biggest thing that motivated me, so I'll start there. The biggest thing that motivated me to become an entrepreneur um, is to looking around me and the companies that I was helping uh, build out design practices. And I joined a studio for a little bit, uh, a development studio in Toronto to help them build out their design practice. I looked around and I saw the processes and the culture and the client relationships in place um, that, that worked in one way where I imagined a different reality um, and a different reality of working, a different reality of the types of clients we do, our principles, our values. Um, I wanted to create something that I didn't see exist and that would have taken a very long time to uh, create wherever I was. And around the around that time, when I was uh, six months into that studio, um, we were expecting our second uh, little girl, and uh, it was about five months away from uh, from her being born. And my uh, my wife still encouraged me to, you know, go ahead and pursue this new reality that you'd like to create. And so I went ahead and I hustled uh, and worked for two months, and I, I built myself a uh, a business model where. We hit, or when I say we, I hit uh, $60,000 in about two months, say two months and a half. And that proved a business model uh, where there was a need for this type of company I wanted to create, which engages with uh, startups in a different way, uh, works in a different process, and really brings a lot more education to the client service, to the client agency experience. Um, and most particularly, uh, the focus on uh, social impact. And so Design Co-Founders originally was a studio that works with startups and organizations that do have some kind of impact, social impact in the domains of healthcare, education, and energy. Um, and so all of that put together, wanting to imagine a new reality where we work in a different way and work on meaningful projects prompted me to uh, do that two-month experiment over the summer. And it worked. And, you know, my wife encouraged me. And she said, screw them, do it. <laughs> and we went for it. You know, you follow your dreams. And uh, and I always quote this with anybody that I anybody that I tell the story to, which is uh, it's a big Sean uh, quote where he says, dreams taught being dreams when you turn them into goals. Right. And so being very goal driven and trying to formulate that reality and through you know through a through a very logical plan uh through a very goal-driven plan worked and uh within about a year and a half we've built a multi-million dollar company with over 10 employees worked with over 30 startups and really went stay true to the values of principles of working how we want to work and not compromising on that at all and building an environment at Design Co-Founders where people can really set their own goals and achieve their own dreams as well through our mission. And that brings us to what Design Co-Founders is, right? I, I mean, when you think of it from a very practical perspective, it's a studio. So we do studio consulting and we provide education to individual startups and organizations. And we have a stream called DC Impact where we, um, we host and uh, facilitate workshops and roundtables and community events in uh, impact streams going back to our roots of civic action and healthcare and education and we build products such as the writing project and we create frameworks like the design kit but really at the end of the day uh, we're really creating and facilitating the creation of vehicles that can impact change and those vehicles can be business units they could be initiatives and they could be people that result in some kind of uh 
impact in our world, right? And that's what Design Co-Founder is looking to create, because anybody back then would have said that, sure, you're going to go ahead and create this this thing. Uh, good luck, right? And it was really, really, really hard to get people to join your team when you're first starting Go, even if you're looking to partner with them, because they don't see that reality. Um, but now that it's been created, we have a playground, we have an environment where individuals can come in and use all of these tools and frameworks and resources and assets and people that we've created to really do whatever we want to do um, that would make us happy and that would make the world a better place, uh, whether it's through software development, design, facilitation, education, or community. That's what Design Co-Founders is and that's what Design Co-Founders' mission strives to achieve. That's awesome, man. That that's huge. There's there's uh, a lot of depth and uh, and really interesting things that, that you've kind of mentioned in there. So you've done so much very quickly. What are what are some of the you know the key points? Maybe the three things that you might share with somebody about your experience, about your insight, and sort of building this this mission driven design studio and, and education studio. I was talking to a few folks about this yesterday, actually. And so let's recap because I, I don't want to run on. So you're asking for three key points in being able to help build this. Um, number one is that we're not in the business of design and we're not in the business of education from a business perspective, right? And so I have a quote where I say the business of this business is my business, right? And we're in the relationship business. We're in the business success business, right? And so it's not about it's not about trying to build the best design studio or trying to build the best education consultancy, right? Uh, what it really is about uh, is setting achievable business goals and building relationships with people that also have very attainable business goals and doing everything we can to help them achieve that. And granted, we do that through skill sets in design and skill sets in development and skill sets in product strategy and skill sets in foresight and skill sets in education. And we facilitate it through community. Um, but number one is to keep focus on goals that trend towards helping ourselves and others be successful from a business perspective. Because once we do that, it empowers us financially and it provides us the environment to be able to build out our company and our practice and add more people and invest in our frameworks and become better experts at what we do. So if, if there's actually anything, it's not really a top three, right? The top one is to focus on relationships and driving business success for yourself and for others around you. And you could do all of that in the impact mandate. And so we put ourselves in a really tight corner, right, Franco, when you think about it, which is saying we're a studio that only works in a very particular way. And we only work with startups and we only work with startups that have social impact, right? How much of a little box did we put ourselves in when we did that? Um, but really, once you, once you, this is number two, I guess, once you actually create a focused value and once you stand up for your principles and not waver on them, you're able to attract people uh, that share those principles and share those interests. They gravitate towards you. And not only do they gravitate towards you because you share those things, but because you could help them achieve success, business success. So when somebody came and knocked on our door and said that they wanted us to design something for them, we weren't really interested in that. We were interested in what they do after we design it for them and what they do three to six to nine months down the line. And that's what really provides people impact. And sure, then we execute designs to help them do that. Um, that's number two. 
if we could think of a number three, it's uh, creating your own advice, right? It's really, really interesting where uh, Franco and Tyler, we have three to four business units under the same roof right now. And if I listened to everyone's advice for the past two years, we would be a small studio or just maybe a big studio, but we'd only be a studio and we'd be a design consultancy um, because we needed to quote unquote focus where what we did is we broadened and we diversified our offerings to be interdependent to each other. So when you see design agencies right now closing their doors, and we have a lot of them that have been doing that, whether or not it's by acquisition, like Endloop Mobile in Toronto being acquired, whether it's B Notions being acquired for X amount of money, whether it's Heistmate shutting down their doors, whether it's T-Hanlack shutting down their doors, there's there's different reasons for that. When you look at the T-Han Lax model, it may have very well just been, you know, they're looking for a place to be able to provide better impact in a product, right? Uh, when you look at Heistmates through their Medium post, it was a business development issue, right? Not being able to find the right people to work with there. And Loop wanted to join a product company. Um, so really what what's what we've done is if we've diversified the things that we do not only are we a studio but we provide education not only do we provide education we have an impact mandate called dc impact not only do we do that we build a product called the writing project and our business success allows us to be able to do all of these things together right and so number three is don't listen to other people's advice um, well, you could you could hear it, right? But it's really on to you to use your perspective and to you're the only one that has a broad sense and understanding of your world and how everything gets applied. And so I listen to everybody's advice, um, and then I do what I think is best for us and what I want to do because there is no formula to success. And last year's formula, or two years ago or three years ago for the design companies that existed, is not the formula that will work right now, as is evidenced by the landscape. Mm -hmm. Three pieces of advice. Absolutely, that's awesome. But those those are some some really key some really key pieces that I think you know you could probably apply to to other places for for people that are listening, not just uh, kind of the design industry. Well, that's exactly it, right? Because it's not just as we apply it to ourselves. We apply it to people that work with us when we're looking to see what our growth goals are. Um, it's uncompromising. You apply it to career, you apply it to agency, to studio, to education, to building a product from scratch. Um, they're, they're principles that really let you let you achieve they give you a framework for achieving success it's not a, a formula mm -hmm, absolutely and and you mentioned the writing projects in there and i know tyler's gonna ask about that next but before we get there i just want to i just want to learn a little bit more about about some of the more i guess uh uh tactical stuff you guys did in terms of kind of promoting some of the education programs you guys did around design thinking um earlier this year um so Basically, you know, you guys launched, you guys created a, a new program called Design Thinking for Entrepreneurship and, and Product Design for Growth. So what was your experience in launching this program and how did you guys go about marketing this to, you know, um, the, I guess the community at large in Toronto? Well, that's really interesting, Franco, right? Um, the, the question is interesting in terms of, I, I know your background in growth and um, community and partnerships, etc. Whereas as an organization, 
we we didn't have too much outbound marketing right so even when you look at our studio for a year our website was our twitter feed right and we finally got a site launched and then design co-founders finally got a site launched in january 2014 um but our business growth was coming from relationships right going back to that thing that i said earlier we're in the relationships business right and so when we create business units and when we create products, whether or they're services or digital products or these education offerings that you're talking about, our core business development driver is relationships, right? And so we didn't go out there and market it and advertise it and push it out on Twitter and Facebook or Google Ads, etc. Um, we even ran events in Toronto uh, that were uh, attended by 150 to 200 designers every month called the Toronto UX Meetup uh, for a year, uh, month after month, uh, executing on high attendance. And we, we didn't even push things through there. What we did is we used our environment to facilitate relationships that we could then engage with to facilitate the growth of our business goals. So how did we market it? We looked around us and we saw who have we known for over a year now, one to two years, that we think can benefit from these offerings. And we engage with them and they see the benefit. There is trust in the relationship and we engage in business. And that's how we grew the education programs at launch. Mm, that's awesome. And that's something that, you know, not a lot of people take the time to invest in creating those relationships ahead of time. Um, so that that's awesome that you guys did that. So yeah, and it's just to go back to that. And it's not sorry to cut you off. It's uh-huh. not something that's like, you know, Machiavellian in the very beginning, right? Um, because, you know, when you need something, say I wake up tomorrow and I need something and I say, oh, you know what, if only I talked to that person more and built a relationship with them could have helped me there, right? Um, it, it's, it's, it's the smallest things where some of the people that we've engaged with, uh, just moments of engagement, we were able to, and moments of authentic engagement, it doesn't have to be a long time uh, through our history, we were able to go back to them. Um, and because they recognize the authenticity and they see our values and principles and what our focus is, they're willing to help us grow, right? Yeah. Um, so it's really, uh, it's really selfless relationships, right, that empower growth. Absolutely. And have there been any really cool uh, kind of uh, case studies or outcomes from, from the program uh, to date? There have been some very sure. There have been some very cool case studies and outcomes. Um, and just as you were saying, I mean, we doing to market and promote it. Now we're in the mode of being able to communicate those things because we have those resources in place to start pushing out these stories. But our graduates have gone to work with companies such as Top Hat, and so an individual came in, and it's it's funny that this person came to our program, uh, and we met him through the Center of Social Innovation, where in Toronto, where we had our initial office, and he was just co-working. And when he heard about the program, he remembered us being co-workers in that location and he expressed interest and he went from a sales position at a uh, at a energy company to taking design thinking for entrepreneurship and product design for business growth and being able to use the tools and experience that he gained from the program to get into account management and business development with software development companies and he's doing well there 
and one of one of Toronto's um, foremost mobile app development studios, Tiny Hearts. Uh, they're the makers of Wake Alarm, which is one of the top-rated alarm apps in the App Store. Um, and Next Keyboard, headed by uh, Rob Lejama, they put their actual senior product team through our program to provide professional development for their own growth to bring back to the company, right? Um, and that's a great success story as well right now as they've launched Next Keyboard and Grow and Get Out. Um, and then there are organizations uh, that we've done workshops with. So th- these, it's interesting that education can be seen as something where you go learn something from scratch and learn it, you know, like... You go to university, and that's how traditional education is perceived, where we're looking at our programs as postgraduate studies for people that already have careers within their domain. So it's not like just an accountant coming over to leave the accountant world and learn how to be a designer or a product manager. We're helping product managers be better product managers and help Mm -hmm. them achieve business success back at their companies. And we help organizations do the same thing. So all of our programs are adapted to startups and organizations. And that's one of our biggest business drivers, which is helping organizations uh, bring design thinking for entrepreneurship and product design from a business growth perspective and bringing processes and frameworks in place. Um, And our startups that we've worked with have been ones that go from idea to raising $5 million through our involvement in services as well as education. And the latest one was iCarrot Inc. And iCarrot works in neurocognitive science. And not only did we do workshops with them, but we provided services and we designed and we built products with them. And that's ongoing. Uh, To one of Canada's largest banks is somebody that we've worked with as well. To small startups that are either 3 to 25 to 50. And they all have their unique success stories, right, that we're so proud and happy we're able to leverage all of our business units to help them uh, achieve that success, not just education. That's awesome. So looking forward, what's what's kind of next for, for you and design co-founders in, in the rest of the year and, and the year ahead? The most exciting thing for design co-founders in 2015 and going into 2016 is our new space. So we just moved into 4,500 square feet on the corner of Spadina and Adelaide in Toronto. And through that space, we're going to be able to grow out our mandate of studio impact, education, and uh, community impact and engagement as well. And so all of the iterations, Franco, of Design Co-Founders have been prototypes. So if you look through our Twitter feed, if you go to at Design Co and just bounce through all of the pictures, you'll see the prototype of Design Co-Founders in the Center for Social Innovation in a four-desk workspace to an office and then uh, office at CSI. And we use CSI space for community and we use CSI space for education. We proved that model, we proved that prototype, and then we moved into our own 2,000 square foot office. And that had room for education, for studio, and for community. And we prototyped that for eight months, and it showed very high success. And so now we've moved that into a 4,500 square foot space that's dedicated uh, 75% to community and education. Um, And we're really, really excited to be able to launch our formal education programs uh, that provide high accessibility through their very low cost and design thinking and user experience design, product management and product development. And we're really excited to bring different communities to be able to engage with us through our space. Um, I'm really excited to see our, our employee base grow. And 
and really our, our employee growth is is hitting 10 to 15 um, but the biggest uh, the biggest thing that I do every, at work every day now as a, as a as a non-production CEO as I've transitioned is empowering people to be able to grow within their roles and to grow our business units to be able to fulfill where they see that growth heading. Um, so that's where that's what design co-founders is going to be doing in through the rest of the year. It's awesome. Sounds cool. I'll have to stop by the office next time I'm in town. When you're in Toronto, Franco, <laughs> I'd love to have a long conversation and a cup of coffee. Someday. Someday I'll, he'll, he'll make it out this far. I, I hope so, Franco. We're <laughs> For really sure. looking forward to it. So for those who don't know, I actually am a part of the Design Co-Founders store and I always enjoy hearing Ms. Steffa kind of talk about the early days from the tux and, and uh, transitioning to Design Co-Founders. So in parallel to Design Co-Founders, you've been working on this project called The Writing Project. So what really motivated you to start this? The writing project. So, geez, it, it doesn't stop. We we do. It's really interesting when whenever we talk about the writing project story, it's it's usually always and we do the writing project, right? Mm, yeah. Um, and that that people start to say, oh, you're doing so much. Where's the focus? And that's back to the piece of advice that I talked about uh, of you know doing what you feel you need to do to achieve business success for the things that you're doing. This entire reality started because we wanted to build out the writing project. And so to be able to fund the writing project, we needed to start a studio and things just cascaded from there. The writing project is actually about five to six years old now, where my my wife and I, who's a professor uh, of English, were Found a, found a way while she was teaching and while I was tutoring students in essay writing, we found a framework that we believed empowers students to write essays better. And so we built a workbook and we tested that workbook with students. And instead of reading a textbook on how to write an essay, we showed students how they could work through it. And that worked. Um, and so that's where I was inspired to to build a product out. And that's where our consulting studio was born to be able to fund that. Fast forward two years, we have uh, the perfect environment that I was talking about that empowers us to do the things that we want to do. And so one of those things is building out the writing project um, as a mobile app, as well as a web app that's going to be launching in September. And the writing project itself, uh, it's, it's, it's really simple. It'll help students write essays uh, very easily. It won't write it for them, but it will facilitate critical thinking and analysis while walking them through each step of the writing process. Um, and that's something that every time we explain it and we show it and we talk about it or uh, with people our age, they, I wish I had that in, in college or university. And, and when we test it with students, it's mind-boggling what they're able to produce as output of writing. Um, and so we're working really, really hard on it um, to, to launch for the fall. So to back it up a bit, you mentioned that you actually built a physical product, which was a booklet. So why did you decide to go this route versus building something like a digital product? Uh, because uh, we don't play startup at Design Co-Founders, right? We don't play the startup game. Uh, what we do is we, we sell things and we build them, right? And so when we wanted to see if the writing project would work, we were consulting, right? Tutoring. We ourselves embodied the framework while we were tutoring students. From that, we were able to get funds to print out some workbooks and we sold those workbooks and we saw that they worked. 
And from that point, we were able to go ahead and say, we've proven the model, the prototype, just like I talked about design co-founders having a prototype as a one-desk shop to a two-desk to a small office to 2,000 to 4,500 square feet. The writing project went through humble iterations as product to be able to prove a viable business model. And uh, we are a 100% bootstrapped and uh, non-funded company. And so we're our own investment group. And so being able to build products from scratch um, well, and being able to sell them from day zero is the reason that we built the workbook, right? Um, we, we needed to prove that model. And so the, the workbook was humble beginnings to prove business model. Um, and while we were doing that and while we were testing it two years down the line, we're empowered to really rapidly execute on that with the, with the amazing studio team that we have at Design Co-Founders. That's awesome. We'll have to wait for the app to uh, be launched in September. You'll be the first to know. <laughs> so you've spoken a lot about frameworks as a tool for growth, both personally and for business. Are there any frameworks you'd recommend to others? I'll recommend a couple of things. Uh, so if you're a designer, you know what you're going to use a designer. If you, if you want to become a designer, you know, you have your tools, Illustrator and Sketch and Envision. And um, I'm sure a lot of people write about this already. Um, I'll recommend processes and frameworks. Um, so the number one process that I'd recommend uh, is OKRs. And I'd, I'd recommend, and guys, if you could drop this link somewhere um, uh, to OKRs, it's a blog post on eleganthack.com written by Christina Butke. Um, and she talks about OKRs, which stands for Objectives and Key Results. And that framework for operation, we use for our business, we use for designing, we use for our own goals as individuals, and that's led us to business success. And that's what we use from day one in order to be able to build up a multi-million dollar company in under two years. OKRs, eleganthack.com, Christina Budke. That's one. Uh, the, the sole book that I've read in the past year, I haven't been able to do a lot of reading, uh, was actually recommended to me by Tyler Copeland, our host today. And it's uh, The Hard Things About the Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. And, uh, and that is uh, that, that book. It's uh, a must read. If you just want to, um, to understand how to lead and how to build companies at different stages of the company because sometimes you have to you know you have to be in war mode and sometimes you have to be in peace mode and sometimes you have to empower employees and sometimes you have to be more directing right um and sometimes it, it, it just really really uh gives good examples of uh of the possibilities in a reality of a company to do what you will and so it gives a glimpse right um, there are two more resources that I'd love to share with our, with our great audience today. Uh, resource number three is The Godfather Part 1 and 2. <laughs> watch The Godfather 1 and then watch The Godfather 2. Uh, there are a lot of principles and values in relationships uh, that carry over into the business world. And uh, it, it must be a mandatory uh, movie for future uh, future employees at Design Co-Founders to watch um, because the references, you know, you just got to catch them. Uh, Godfather number one and two. Um, the last one is from our senior director of client services, Jason Goodman. And please, if you could link this blog post, I'd appreciate it. For sure. Uh, 
you have no idea how difficult, or you might have an idea, but people generally have no idea how difficult it is. Sure, we're successful, right? But that success can disappear in a moment. Sure, we have a runway. That runway can burn up in two months. Um, there are so many stresses, and there are so many risks, and there are so many things involved in running a company. And for myself, as an example, running three to four business units that has a, a very serious impact on motivation, on physical health, on psychological health. There are a lot of things that people don't talk about, but it's a giant roller coaster ride. And recently, uh, Jason. Uh, wrote a blog post on, I believe, it, something about simple. Um, I forgot exactly what it's called, but it's it might be focusing on simple. Um, and it's uh, the most beautiful read that I've had in the past six months from a blog post. And whenever whenever things are getting to me and whatever it's... Um, I'm, I'm really struggling to deal with uh, things that I'm going through and running a company. I read it because it reminds us one thing, guys. You know what it reminds us? It all really doesn't matter, right? Mm -hmm. um, as easy as this whole company got built, it could collapse. And, and then what? And if it does, that can't kill me. That can't kill us. That's, that's not our life's mission. It, it goes back to uh, Franco asking, what is Design Co-Founders? Design Co-Founders is just a vehicle for uh, happiness right now. We're creating an environment for happiness for us. So at the very, very end of the day, uh, read that blog post because it'll remind you of the simple things that we wake up in the morning and we're healthy and we have friends and family. And, uh, and it's just the little things that bring us joy in life. And business success comes and goes. And success comes and then failure hits. And more success comes and more failure hits. And after you overcome a milestone, another one is there to overcome as well. But, you know, you just got to smile. Remember about the little things and live life happy and make others happy around you as well. That's awesome. That's that's some great advice. And, and definitely we'll have to check out the post. I was I was going to end the episode by asking if you had any thoughts or personal mottos. But uh, unless you feel otherwise, I think that's that's a great way to, to end the episode. I think it's beautiful. Thanks Perfect. so much for the opportunity to uh, to talk to you, Franco and Tyler. I really appreciate it. And a, a huge congratulations to you guys, too. Uh, just showing that passion uh, and, and doing things because you want to learn. And, you know, uh, you've built an amazing podcast. And I congratulate you on all of your success um, and all of the people that you've been able to showcase to bring their story to life. Congrats to you as well. Absolutely. Thanks so Thank much. You. And congrats to you. Thanks for taking the time to uh, speak with us tonight. Uh, Mustafa. Have a great night, folks. Well, that's about it for this episode of Hack to Start. You can find all the important links beneath the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Hack to Start and sign up for our newsletter to know about all the latest episodes, behind the scenes content, and more. Thanks for listening and see you next time.